Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Today is a special day, not just because this is Memorial Day weekend in which we do want to remember the sacrifice of the men and women over the years and decades who have paid the ultimate price so we can be free. Amen. It is significant, but today's also special because of an even more significant reason, and that is today is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to talk to you today about why Pentecost Sunday is so important. It is a day that Christianity recognizes as the birthday of the church. It was some 2,000 years ago that the New Testament church was born, and the day of Pentecost is significant not only because it is recognized as the birthday of the New Testament church, the body of Christ, but also for another very important reason, and that is it is the day that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was first poured out on believers, amen? And you can read about that beginning in the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to start today. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's jump in. I want to talk to you about that. Amen. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I feel like I've had tongues of fire resting on my face for the last two weeks. Amen. <laughs> Verse 4 says this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amen. Now hear me. This was not a one-time event. It happened repeatedly throughout the book of Acts, and it's talked about all throughout the New Testament. So I want to preach on this subject today. I've got a real complicated title. Are you ready? Pentecost. Pentecost. Amen. Uh, Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost Sunday is significant in the sense that Christians universally, regardless of denomination, recognize this chapter and those events as the birth of the Christian church. Now, the notes in your Bible may even call this day or this passage in Acts 2 the birth of the church or, or possibly the origin of the church. My Bible says that in the margins. Uh, think about birthdays for a minute. How many of you love a good birthday? Right? Amen. Amen. You haven't had a birthday until you had the Coley's sing the Stevie Wonder birthday song for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But think about it. Birthdays are significant, uh, and the birth of anything is significant, whether it's a movement or an institution or a person or a business. And we celebrate those things because they are for the people we love and because we mark the origin of something uh, that's important by those days. Now, we celebrate certain holidays like Easter or Christmas or July 4 because they represent something that is important. So certainly the origin of something as significant as the church ought to be recognized. 
and it ought to be celebrated. Amen? A friend of mine told me a few years ago, uh, we were talking about Pentecost Sunday, and he said, Pentecost Sunday is the Super Bowl Sunday of the church world. And I thought, you know, I like that. That's, that's true. Because that's when it all began. It all began in Acts chapter 2 where it records the first outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, without going into too much background uh, today, the feast named Pentecost, it was already significant to the Jews before Acts chapter 2. It was celebrated annually for hundreds of years. Uh, Pentecost, mean, the word means 50th, and it occurred each year 50 days after the presentation of the first sheaves of the harvest on the day following the Passover Sabbath. It was a feast that commemorated the harvest and the first uh, produce uh, from the promised land. The Jews also celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments on this day because they believed that the law was delivered on the 50th day after the exodus from Egypt. So why is Pentecost Sunday still significant to us as New Testament believers? Why should we take the time to remember this important event in church history. You know, on Easter we remember what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Christmas, we remember what? The birth of Jesus. The baby in a manger. Amen. And so we ought to remember Pentecost Sunday. Because it was the day that the church was born. Now, in the book of Acts, which records uh, the acts or the actions of the apostles, by the way, that's where that book got its name from. It literally means the actions of the apostles or the acts of the apostles. The book of Acts is still alive today. Hallelujah. God's church should be experiencing everything, come on somebody, that they experienced in the book of Acts. i got to take my jacket off to get a little excited, amen. I just want to tell you, no matter what, denomination you were brought up in or what your preacher told you in the past, let me tell you, the Bible is still alive. The gifts of the Spirit are still in operation. Come on. People can still be healed. People can still be delivered. You might say, well, I've never seen it. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Come on, somebody. I have seen blinded eyes open. I have seen deaf ears unstopped, amen. I have seen, we baptized a lady many years ago who was crippled. She came up out of the baptistry healed and walking for the first time in years. Come on, God is still at work. He's still at work. And I think it's important that as a spirit-filled church, and Life Church is a spirit-filled church, thank God. I think it's important that we recognize we want people to see and experience the power of God in their lives. Amen? I think it's tragic, and I'm not going to throw any stones at denominations. I don't do that. I think it's tragic that Spirit-filled churches are not even talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? They think it's spooky. They think it's weird. They think talking about speaking in tongues is something that people don't want to hear about. I'm just going to tell you, we believe in a God that created a fish that swallowed a man. <laughs> we believe that an entire nation walked through the Red Sea. Come on. We believe that Jesus walked on water and then Peter walked on water. Come on. We believe that a donkey spoke to a prophet. 
Are you trying to tell me that I can believe all that, but I can't believe in a phenomena of speaking in other tongues? <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe the Bible's still alive. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are still alive. And by the way, we're not hung up on how you identify us. We're not. You can call us Spirit-filled, charismatic, non-denominational, Pentecostal, whatever you want to call us. Amen. We welcome people in this church from all denominational backgrounds and even no denominational backgrounds. Amen. I've found the people that have no denominational background carry a whole lot less religious baggage than the rest of us do. Amen. See, we have people from all kinds of Pentecostal backgrounds in this church and non-Pentecostal backgrounds here, and we love it that way. Hallelujah. The important thing, hear me, it's not the name that you identify with, but it's what experience have you received in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Most people do identify us with the name Pentecostal or Spirit-filled or charismatic. Why? Because we still believe in and experience what the early church experienced on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Now I'm proud to identify myself not by a denominational name, but I identify as a Christian believer who has experienced the power of Pentecost in my life. Amen. That's what I am. And because we recognize that what happened in Acts 2 and all throughout the New Testament is still happening today, we will continue to preach and encourage others to experience what the New Testament church experienced on the day of Pentecost and from there forward. See, the sad reality is that all across our land right now, there are people that are gathering in churches, good people who love God, but right now they are not experiencing the power of God in their midst. Come on, there's people who really cannot say with assurance that what they have or what they're experiencing or what they're being preached uh, to and taught about is what they had in the days of the apostles. And so my question to anyone who loves Jesus is this, why would you want to settle for anything less than everything that God has for you and I, amen? So we've got to ask ourselves, no matter what your religious background is, do you have what they had in the book of Acts. Have you experienced what they experienced on the birthday of the church and its subsequent experiences afterwards? See, Peter described what happened on the day of Pentecost as this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He was referencing a prophecy in the book of Joel. I'll read it to you here in a moment about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question we need to ask. Is this that? Hallelujah. Is this that that was prophesied by Joel? Is this that that they experienced in the book of Acts? Is this that that the Apostle Paul said changed his entire existence and his direction? Amen. Is this that that was described throughout the epistles? as the governing power in the life of a believer. Is this that? See, we believe that it is. And I have good news for you today. If you have never experienced what they did on the day of Pentecost, I'm not here to belittle you as a believer. Thank God you're a believer. I'm here to tell you, you can have everything. Come on, can somebody who's been filled with the Holy Spirit testify and clap your hands? 
You can have everything Woo! that the Bible talks about. Amen. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's what the Bible says. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it is a powerful blessing and gift in your life. Let's talk about it for a moment. There's prophecies all throughout the Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. I just want to read a couple of them to you from the Old Testament today. Just a couple of examples. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26. I can't holler too loud because my face will crack. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put what? A new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Notice verse 27. And I will put what? My spirit in you. Not just on you, not just with you, not just around you. In you. So that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Joel prophesied about it. Peter referenced it in Acts chapter 2 when you read the story. Amen. Joel said in Joel 2.28, and afterward... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, what? I will pour out my spirit in those days. Hallelujah. I'm glad to tell you we're living in those days. Amen. So just as he and the other prophets of the Old Testament prophesied, the Holy Spirit is available, amen, to all who love God and want Him to possess their lives. It was also prophesied in the New Testament a few years before the actual event took place. The prophet John the Baptist foretold the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Matthew 3, 3 and 11 where it records these words of the prophecy. It said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. John saying, that's what I'm doing. He said, but he who is coming after me. Jesus is mightier than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. What's he going to do? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Hallelujah. Even Jesus promised the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In John 7, 38 and 39, Jesus likened the coming of the Spirit to having rivers of living water flowing forth from your innermost being. John 7 to 38, look at the verse that says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Verse 39. Now notice, there's a lot to unpack in this verse. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Now don't miss that. It's important. Notice it's, it's, it's pointing out, just because you believe does not mean you automatically receive the baptism of the Spirit. That's what the verse just said. I'm not twisting it around. I'm just reading it right out of the book. Those who believed in him were what? Later to receive. Up to that time. Now here's why it's later. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Why? Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. In other words, Jesus had not yet died and resurrected and ascended into heaven. Now at this point, amen, we need to understand something. That the power of the Holy Spirit, it is available to all of us now. 
Because Jesus died and he was resurrected and he walked on the earth for 40 days, amen. And then the power of the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2. But it has not stopped falling. It's still available to believers everywhere. I love how Jesus used the word rivers relating to the idea of the Holy Spirit. A river is what? It's something that continues to flow. Amen. And don't be satisfied with just a cup full of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I want a river of living water. Come on, when I think about my relationship with Jesus Christ, don't settle for less when you can have so much more. Because we have the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit baptism as a river of abundant life flowing out of us. What did Paul say in Ephesians 5, 5, 18? He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. By the way, that's a sermon that we need to preach in 2023. Amen. I'm not going to preach about it today. But notice the second part of that verse. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We can have a drink of the Holy Spirit. And it can be like a river of living water flowing in our souls. See, the Spirit is given without reservation to those who are thirsty enough to take a drink. So, now, let me back up a little bit. How did they end up in a prayer room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? How did, you know, we, we finished reading in John, and Jesus is there, and then all of a sudden we switch over to the book of Acts, and they're there, and they're praying in an upper room in Jerusalem. How did this happen? Let me just tell you, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, one of Jesus' last commands to his disciples after the resurrection and before he ascended into heaven for the final time, he gives them this command, Luke 24, 49. Now you can back up to verse 45 to get the entire context, but let me just read verse 49. And Jesus is there and he said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here, Jerusalem. In the city until the Holy Spirit comes. And what? Fills you with power from heaven. Amen. Now, I didn't put this in my notes today, but when you go to Acts chapter 1, you will find the disciples are there. They are waiting. And they actually will tell you what they're waiting for. They're waiting for the promise of the Father. Amen. And then in Acts chapter 2, they're in a prayer meeting. They've been there for seven days. They've been praying for this promise of the Father. They don't know exactly what it is. They don't know exactly what Jesus was referring to. But all they know was, he said, I need you to wait because something powerful is getting ready to come. So you are worried about me leaving, boys, but I'm getting ready to send you something that is going to change and rock your world. And so it started with the Jews in Acts chapter 2. Already read it to you. How that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that outpouring in Acts chapter 2, it began initially with 120 people that were waiting for the promise. Did you know Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that original 120? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? The one who gave birth to Jesus now receives the Holy Spirit. I love that. And then the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was a wonderful gift from God. It was an endowment of God's divine presence within our lives. And the Bible tells us that as they were worshiping, there came a sound from heaven. It was described as a rushing mighty wind. The sound filled all the house where they were sitting. And then the Bible says there was also tongues of fire which went from one person to the other. 
like flames going from one object to the other. These tongues or these languages, the scripture said rested on them, or depending upon your translation, hovered on them or set upon each of them that were in that upper room. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 said it this way from the King James. It says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Or in other words, as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. Now those in the upper room were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This had never happened before like this. Come on. People have felt God around them. People had had the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their life. But they had never been baptized in this manner. How did those around them know that they were being filled? The Bible says it was apparent because there was a sign that accompanied this outpouring. And it was speaking in other tongues. Amen. Now, by the way, you don't need to seek after speaking in tongues. Tongues will come when the Holy Spirit comes. When that baptism of fire falls upon you. Now, before that day was done, approximately 3,000 people. The Bible says we're added to that church. The outpouring had begun. But folks, the good news is it did not stop there. Now I just want to stop and say this to you right now. And I'm, I'm going to look at the camera here for a moment too. Just again, I don't know what denomination you were brought up in. I don't know what your Christian faith is. But a lot of people are out there telling you that this thing stopped in Acts chapter 2. It did not stop in Acts chapter 2. Amen. The gifts still operate in the body of Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is still in operation in the church today. Amen. They told me too late that it was over. Amen. Other tongues, unknown languages that they never studied in school, languages that they didn't understand, but others around them did understand. It happened again, though, after Acts chapter 2. It happened with the Samaritans. When Peter and John laid their hands on the converts in Samaria and prayed for them, they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8. The outpouring then moved from Acts chapter 8. You find it happened to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 10. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, from the Samaritans to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. The Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles at Caesarea in the home of Cornelius, who was a Roman military officer. Peter was preaching to the, uh, this Roman officer in his household, uh, and the Spirit fell on them. And Peter, and he brought some other Jewish Christians with him. Because, by the way, they didn't believe that the Gentiles could have it. They didn't. And you know what I love? Acts chapter 2, Jews got it. Acts chapter 8, Samaritans got it, who were half Jew and half Gentile. And now the Lord's going, let me just check this final box. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to give it to the Gentiles. I'm going to give it to the non-Jews. So Peter brings with him a bunch of Jews so they can see what's getting ready to happen. And he's preaching to them in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 and verse 46. And I want you to see what happened. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. He'd been preaching the gospel. Read Acts 10. Verse 45. Look what happened. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed. Don't you love it when God pops your religious bubble? Don't you just love it? When he just shakes you and says, guess what? I'm doing something way bigger than you think I am. Guess what? There's going to be people in heaven that you didn't think were going to be in heaven. Guess what? There's going to be people receiving something from me that you don't think they ought to be. You don't worry about that. Amen. The Jews were amazed at what? That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. 
They were shocked. Now, how did they know that the Gentiles had received the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 46. It lays it out so plain. It just says in verse 46. That's okay. I want them to see it. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. That was the external evidence. It was there so they could see it. So they could recognize it. So they would know that it was legitimate. Tongues was the identifying mark of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now if you want to be filled with the, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, it starts by understanding this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something you earn. You don't become a good enough Christian to say, okay, Lord, I finally i am ready. Amen. No, no, no. It's a gift. The Bible actually calls it the gift of. The Holy Spirit, amen. The gift does not come because you earn it. It doesn't also, it also doesn't happen by just working yourself up emotionally to be filled with it. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to, a preacher doesn't have to shake your head or, or, or knock you down to the ground, amen. It can happen any kind of way God wants it to happen. Debbie Fuller, who was in our first service, she was sitting over there. I remember when she shared with me the story of how she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a young lady. She was driving down the interstate praying and felt the power of God come into her car. So she pulled over in the emergency lane and put it in park and lifted her hands and God filled her with the Holy Ghost on the side of the road. <laughs> I've seen people come out of this tank going down under the water and pop out, speaking in other tongues. I've seen thousands of people receive it at one time. I've seen one person receive it at a time. See, God's gifts are for all of us. And it's for each of us. When you continue on, though, past Acts chapter 10, after that, we meet another group, John's disciples, Acts chapter 19. The Apostle Paul arrives at Ephesus, and he found this number believing, faith-filled followers of, of John the Baptist. And he asked them, now notice this, don't miss this. He asked them whether they had received the Holy Spirit or not. Look at their response, Acts 19 and verse 2. This is the Apostle Paul asking disciples of John, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's a pretty direct question, right? No. <laughs> There's a lot there, folks. They didn't get it as soon as they believed. And they also said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now let me just stop and say right now, I think there's a lot of good, godly believers in Jesus. That they have not received this baptism yet. Not because they're bad people. Not because they have less faith than you do. They just haven't heard about it. Why am I preaching about it today? Because I want everybody to hear about it. I want everybody to know about it. It changed my life. It changed my world. We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. Just because they believed didn't mean they auto automatically received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the second scripture I showed you that in. Paul kept teaching them, and he asked them, though, then, he asked them about their water baptism. Look, verse 2 through 6, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now notice, notice his next question, verse 3. Then what baptism did you experience? Now if it didn't matter, I don't think he would have asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself 
told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. In other words, Paul's telling them, his was for repentance, but he was pointing you to something else. As soon as they heard this, what? Verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, everybody say then. Paul laid his hands on them, and what does the Bible, Scripture say? The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Hallelujah. Paul rebaptized them, and then when he laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues. Folks, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you simply have to have faith and believe and seek after Him. You may not receive it the first time you pray for it. That's all right. Don't give up. Here's what Hebrews 11 and 6 says. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God, what? How do you come to God? Here it says it. You must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Don't miss that part about diligently. Sometimes you've got to diligently pray for the things that you want in your life. And for some of us, that includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Believe that the experience is for you and that Jesus will do exactly as he promised and you will be filled. Read throughout the book of Romans. Paul is contrasting the spirit of man with the spirit of God. And he's showing us there's these two variant natures at war within us. This is one of the reasons, by the way, and I could preach a whole series on why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. But Paul gives us just one example. He's telling us that those who receive the Spirit of God are not living according to their flesh, but they're living according to the Spirit. Romans 8, 8 and 9. Look at this. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Notice how he's using these terms. Uh, he's uh, exchanging those intermittent. He says, Spirit of God dwelling in you. Spirit of Christ dwelling in you. He says, you've got to have the Spirit of Christ in you. Folks, if the Spirit of God is not dwelling in us, you're still living and walking in the flesh. You might love Jesus, but can I tell you, when God filled me with the Holy Spirit, He gave me the power to overcome alcohol and cigarettes and drugs in my life. That was for me when I was 15 years old. Amen. Thank God for it. I still rejoice. Amen. Now, guess what the Holy Spirit does for me now? Helps me to control my bad tongue and my attitude. Helps me to not, uh, not give in to lustful thoughts. Helps me not to be a bad husband and a bad father and a bad pastor. Come on, is there anybody else that's honest enough in this house to say that you need the Holy Ghost in your life to help you live and walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh? Because here's what I know. Some of you, you're struggling with other things. Some of you right now, you're struggling with alcohol. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to help you fight the battle. The Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes. Some of you are struggling with other addictions in your life. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. Some of you are struggling with your thought life or with all kinds of stuff or depression. You shall receive power. It's real power that changes your walk with God. Amen. I can't imagine going through this life without the Holy Ghost. Amen. Like the song said that they sang this morning, I need the Holy Ghost. 
I need the Holy Ghost and fire. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Ghost and fire. If C.C. Winans needs it, Buddy Thompson needs it. Amen. Kevin Coley needs it. Amen. Josh Lemons needs it. Robin Thompson needs it. You all need it. We all need it. Amen. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit that began on Pentecost Sunday. It is a beautiful gift given by Almighty God to those who will believe and receive it. I want the praise team to come on up, musicians. And I just want to ask you, why wouldn't you want the same gift that God gave in the book of Acts? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the indwelling of God's Spirit in our human lives. Jesus taught His disciples that their relationship with Him would be complete. What? Only after He'd gone away and sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in their hearts. Folks, you know, I think it would have been great to walk around in the days of Jesus but he saved the best for last. We get to experience his presence every day of our lives. Amen. I want you to stand with me all over this house. You've heard me say it many times and it's true. Pentecost is not a denomination. It is not a religion. It is an experience. Everybody say it's an experience. And, and by the way, you can't just explain it. You've got to experience it for yourself. Amen? And if you truly desire the Holy Spirit baptism, you can receive it. Amen? I've seen all types of people get the Holy Spirit. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, one person, hundreds, thousands, Spanish, Asian, black, white, Indian. Come on, folks, it doesn't matter. The Bible said He was going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I've seen Baptists get it, Methodists get it, Presbyterians get it, Catholics get it. I've even seen some Pentecostals get it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Again, it's not a denominational thing. It's a, it's a mighty outpouring of God thing. Amen. So here's my question today. They're going to get ready to sing and we're going to open these altars. Does anybody need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their life? Or maybe you're already spirit-filled. Do you need a renewal or a stirring up of the gift of God in your life? Maybe if you've lost your joy or you feel backslidden or you feel away from God, God wants you to have everything that is available to you. Do you believe that? All right. You might say, well, Pastor, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. How do I receive it? If you don't, I want you to remember this. It's real simple, okay? First of all, you've got to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. His death, his burial, and his resurrection was what purchased our salvation. Amen. We don't earn it. It's a free gift that comes from God. Can the church say amen? You need to repent of your sins. How many of you love Jesus know that you have to repent of your sins? Not just one time, but all the time. Amen. You need to be baptized if you've never been baptized. You don't have to be baptized, by the way, to receive the Holy Spirit. People received it before they were water baptized. But if you know that you've not been baptized, go ahead and be baptized. Amen. Take that step of faith and commitment. But when you're praying for it, just be comfortable. Don't worry about people that are around you. Don't worry about people in your life. Ask and believe for the gift. You don't have to earn it. Come on. You don't have to beg for it. I've seen people, please. You don't have to do that. Amen. It's a gift. Amen. You don't have to beg for a gift from somebody you love. Amen. 
you begin, and here's what you got to do. Begin to worship the Lord. Begin to praise God. And can I give you a little, a little tip? It's a lot easier to allow the Spirit to let you speak in tongues if you're already speaking. Amen. What am I talking about? I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Father. Lord, you're so good. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. God, I want you to fill me with your spirit. Lord, I just worship you. I bless you. I praise you. You just do that. You tune everybody out. Amen. You don't, we don't care about what people think about us praying anyway, right? And then when the spirit of the Lord begins to come on you, guess what? God's not a teaser. When he begins to come on you, your tongue, your language will begin to change. You need to yield to that. I've seen a lot of people, you just, they just close up. They just stop because it feels awkward. Oh, what's that? You just let it go. You let it flow. You release it. And what the Bible say? As the Spirit gives the utterance. It's not me leaning in Michael Jones's ear and telling him, say, sell him a Honda, see me time I die. No, no, that's not. It's as the Spirit gives the utterance. You don't teach people how to speak in tongues. Come on, somebody. We don't just tell them what to say in tongues. It's as the Spirit gives the utterance. And guess what, folks? This doesn't have to be weird. Amen. I accepted a Savior who died for me thousands of years ago, and I believe that His blood redeems me of my sins. If I can believe that, I can believe Him for a gift. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. As they begin to pray, if you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you need a renewal of God's power in your life, I want you to step out from where you are, and I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin to pray. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come down here, and somebody will pray with you. We will, And if you don't get it today, don't get discouraged. Amen. You'll walk out of here. Let me tell you what the devil will do. He'll jump right on your shoulder and say, that's not real. If it was real, you would have got it the first time you prayed for it. He does that to everybody. And guess what? The devil is a liar. Amen. I didn't get it the first time I prayed for it. I don't know why it takes some people longer than others. That's not my job to figure out. It's his gift. He gets to bestow it. Amen. So if you want it, we're going to open this altar. Y'all start singing. Amen. And I want you to come right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Come on, that's right. The altar's open. Come on, if you want it, come. If you want it, come. You can have it.
to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.